This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings engaging video and audio lectures presented by top professors and professionals on a wide variety of subjects to your fingertips. The Great Courses has a collection of lecture series geared towards professionals, including Scientific Secrets for a Powerful Memory, How Conversation Works, Art of Public Speaking, and Influence, Mastering Life's Most Powerful Skill. These series offer great tools and insights for anyone looking to improve their recall at work, hone their presentation skills, or become a better negotiator. And now, for a limited time, The Great Courses has a special offer for Weekly Standard listeners. Order any of these four business and presentation courses for just $9.95. This special price of $9.95 is only available for a limited time. Order today. Go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. This is a bonus edition of the podcast. The first of the two debates have just finished up. With us on the scene in Cleveland is the Weekly Standard's Jim Swift. Jim, what? how was it, first of all, being there on the scene? Well, you know, it was like uh, watching the Baltimore Orioles play the Chicago White Sox in an empty stadium. There was no one in the audience except for journalists. <laughs> And so uh, I opted uh, not to go and uh, sit in the spin room and just watch it on the screen. I went to the American Conservative Union Party where I could kind of uh, gauge the reactions of uh, the attendees, most of whom were from Ohio. That that was interesting. But uh, I, I think Fiorina emerged uh, as a co-victor maybe with Bobby Jindal. Uh, it is interesting the 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 whole formatting was off from the beginning. The debate, by the way, went till six twenty. That seemed to throw people off. People were like, "What? That was over at six. Uh, the empty, yeah. dark room. Um, it, you know, it, it was almost funereal beyond the uh, uh, questioners." And Fox News, I, I the, the tone of the debate, but the not just the questions. But the kind of unnecessarily cranky questioning from Bill Hammer and Martha McCollum, the whole thing was just odd. Well, you know, I like that they opened with the zingers, basically designed for each of the, the candidates, maybe to throw them off their game. That, you know, that makes for good television. Um, but you're, you're right. And then it kind of turned into this Donald Trump hour. Um, you know, we're going to hear enough from Trump at the, the next debate. Like, who cares what the rest of them really think? Um, I, I thought that that was odd, but it, it had a slow, awkward start, and it kind of rolled to uh, you know something where even even the audience who didn't like Lindsey Graham liked this kind of comedy routine. Um, he was like triumph the insult dog uh, about halfway <laughs> through, and um, despite the fact that I, you could tell the audience didn't like him, they they enjoyed his answers. Uh, and it's I thought it was. Uh, on the one hand, demeaning to ask the candidates about another candidate who wasn't even there, Donald Trump. But then again, the best moments of the debate, I would argue, came from there. Not just Rick Perry's kind of tough, you know, manning up answer, but Carla Fiorina had the one line of the night everyone will remember. I didn't get a call from Bill Clinton before I got in this race. Did anyone up here get one? And that pretty much, I, that you could have stopped the debate right there. That was a mic drop moment. I mean, the the, the audience was, I'd say, favorable to Fiorina, and uh, they really enjoyed um, that line. It, it drew it drew some of the, loud, the loudest applause from the, the ACU crowd. I, I think we can agree that Carly Fiorina leaves this first of the two debates looking bigger as a candidate than when she arrived. Did anyone else accomplish that, leave by adding some political muscle mass? Not not the people who needed to. I mean, Jim Gilmore, George, uh, Governor Pataki, 
um, you know, that those types uh, really had the most to gain from this, this stage. And, and honestly, they didn't. Um, you know, Santorum, I, I, I think, was kind of listless. He had some good answers, but when pressed um, uh, on, on some of the harder questions, he, he, he tended to dodge. Um, same, same with Pataki. Uh, I, I think the, the, the third quadrant of the 15, you know, the 15-minute quadrants that they had uh, was basically, let's not answer the question and then give a long statement segment. Um, I, you know, I kept the tally. Everyone got dinged at least once. Gilmore, Pataki, Fiorina, and Santorum all got dinged twice, and dogs across the country were going nuts with the doorbell. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and that actually helps Fiorina if, if only you know if it's seven men and women enter, one woman leave. You know, this is you know Thunderdome helps the person who leaves. I think the person who really missed opportunity here was Governor Rick Perry, who did an okay job. But I think if he had really come out and owned it, he might have been able to drive part of the stake into the heart of you know, the tw- Rick Perry 2012 ghost that lingers around him. You know, he had, I, I think I, I, in my notes, I noted that he fumbled early. He, he, he was slow and he, uh, he did have some really good lines in there. And I think he answered some good questions, but there were some times when you could see that he was stumbling. And I, I think it shows that he's been well coached because you could see him come up with a transition and that, you know, like your computer has a little loading icon you could see in the space that he was loading, but he was still talking. There weren't the awkward pauses that he, he suffered from. And, you know, the, here are my three reasons. Here are one and two. Oh, wait, I forgot the third. Uh, I, I think he's recovered from that. But still, you, could, you know, there's still some loading going on um, when, he, when he's answering questions. Yeah, I, I think that that will be – I mean, he, I, to me, as someone who's kind of naturally predisposed, particularly because of his record, I mean, I think if you could get a guy with his jobs record as a solid political candidate, out there able to handle the the race man you'd be in a really strong position after this really mediocre recovery but i still see a guy who just does i'm not sure he's ready i'm not sure he's nimble enough to handle the fast moving game of american politics in 2016 bobby jindal uh, on the other hand i was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't just uh kind of white paper answers uh with a lot of you know uh relatively relatively a lot of detail for this format but he actually had a little spark of personality show up he did. I mean, you remember that sort of, you know, considered to be disastrous response to the State of the Union, and that's how everyone kind of judged him going into this. And he did have a bigger spark and was livelier this time and did have some good answers. Um, you know, I, I think to your earlier point, Perry failed by not succeeding. He needed to succeed, and he he really didn't uh, dominate. Um, you know, but I, I think Jindal and Fiorina merged, in my opinion, is that the kind of co co leaders of this of this first little kids table debate. Uh, and so, my I mentioned one line that I think will linger. Will anything else linger? Is there another moment or a performance, or is this, in essence, just kind of uh, part of the long story? We're just really kind of in chapter one, and by the time we get to chapter eight, you know, this will just be background. You know, I, I Jindal had an answer that I don't think was a kind of snappy line that you're going to see put in the campaign ad necessarily. But when he was talking about uh, the European nightmare and borrowing from China to achieve foreign policy goals and, uh, you know, basically paraphrasing Obama and why, you know, we couldn't expect anything from China because, you know, we need them to fund our government. That was a good point that I think was framed better than Republicans have framed it previously, um, especially in the context of the Iran deal. 
Um, which, you know, if he can hone that down into a, a shorter sound bite in a future debate, I think could be memorable. One last question. You said you're watching it with, uh, with Republicans. Uh, what, what's the kind of general mood about what they saw and about the field in general, about how things are looking for 2016? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. So we're, we're here in Cleveland, and Kasich, uh, the governor of Ohio, was the, the last the last end of the debate, and he got the loudest boos. Um, it, was, it was interesting to see how, um, well, he hasn't, he hasn't spoken yet, but it was interesting to see the other candidates that they booed, like Lindsey Graham. Uh, when Lindsey Graham would make a, a good point, but not maybe a zinger, there would be silence. And, uh, you know, I, I think there was sort of, sort of some sort of cognitive dissonance there. Well, I, I like what he said, but I don't like Lindsey Graham, so I'm not going to cheer. Um, but it was, it was a very interesting melange of, of individuals uh, who showed up at this. Jim Jordan, Raul Labrador, and then um, uh, Grover Norquist all showed up, too. Wow. So, you know, we had active, little activists, uh, families here from northeastern Ohio, and we had some some big heavy hitters from Washington, all at the House of Blues. It was it was a party. It was a party, Michael. If uh, and, well, anytime you're in Cleveland, it's a party. You know that's why it's Cleveland. Any party city that parties so hard, they set their own river on fire. You know you got a party with those people. <laughs> uh, Jim yeah. Swift with the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for joining us from Cleveland with your report from the scene of the first of tonight's two debates. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.